Welcome to Conversation Mill. Join me as I talk to individuals stepping out to pursue their passions, from small business owners to community leaders, and learn with me how we can work together to support our local communities and local economies. Visit conversationmill.com to learn more, but now please join us in conversation. I was first introduced to some of the characters that make up the Rabbit Hero Saga in about 2012 when I met Anthony Brandle for the first time. Though we had grown up in the same general area of Wisconsin, our paths had not crossed, or they had, but we had not seen each other yet. But once we did connect, a lifelong friendship was enacted, and Tony celebrated my creativity in a way that no one previously had. He encouraged me to write my poetry, and we collaborated on poems and chapbooks, and spent weeks laying on the floor of my den reading Mary Oliver and Emily Dickinson, Plato's The Republic, The Tao Te Ching, and much more. Tony would sit on the porch and draw or work on a commissioned art piece, and I was always bowled over by his ability to create a character and a backstory while tying in folklore and philosophy. That period of creativity in my early and mid-twenties set the tone and the purpose of my life. Poetry is still my one true love, and I will forever be grateful for the years I was able to spend stealing creative time with Tony. Tony has been cultivating the characters that make up the rabbit hero nearly his entire life. We talk about the origins of this life's work, what purpose art has in our communities, and how having a newborn affects this process. Life takes us down many and separate roads, but returning to this community of two for a conversation on creativity felt like being home. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and I sincerely hope it inspires you to manifest your creativity and support your local artists. What is art, poetry, and philosophy's role in our communities? I, so when you gave me this list of questions, I was looking at this and I was like, that, that's such a big, I mean, it's a great question, but it's a big one. Um, I think of those three, Philosophy is probably the most important because I think the way in which you apply the other ones is given to you through philosophy. I mean, poetry and art are beautiful additions, you know, especially in a tangible sense of like creating murals, beautifying the city in some way so that people don't feel like they're living in a brutalist, (laughs) you know, dystopian nightmare which frankly if you look around it it was a creeping arrival but like we live in a dystopia i hope people are aware of that sorry to (laughs) jump like start off with such dour straits but like in order to remove yourself from that you need art and you need poetry and you need nature but an understanding of the importance of those things and how to apply those things comes from philosophy first Mm -hmm. Um, whether a personal one or whether the kind you find in books, whether a religious one for that matter. But I I think um, having a sense of being able to think and apply that thinking to problems and to perspectives is fundamental. 
Do you think we're getting an in that dystopian kind of world because of the lack of philosophy being applied through the years? Uh, no, actually, I think imprudent philosophy. Mm. I think philosophy has been applied this whole time. But I think what we're seeing is the develop like the we've been applying philosophy unthinkingly mm. and creating by extension story that we've been telling ourselves and our society has been applied unthinkingly and what we think and what what stories we tell are made manifest in our day-to-day -day world and by telling these stories loosey-goosey um, and by having this philosophy loosey-goosey, we are creating that strife in our own, in the world mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's always there. It'd be convenient to say that there's no philosophy, but it's just a different kind of one that is that perhaps sense. a little less, it's a little more aggressive and a little less gentle than we need as people right in your opinion have you seen how art and philosophy since you kind of pulled that out as the most important have you seen that the value of that increase or decrease in our communities i um i mean keep in mind i only have two communities really to focus on i mean i have so for listeners, for background, I have three communities that I've really interacted with. Um, two are traditional city communities, one being Sheboygan, Wisconsin, the other being Champaign, Illinois, where I currently live. Um, I was part of the, I am still part of the community in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, but I did a lot in terms of, um, I helped set up a co-op grocery store. Um, I've been around for yeah. things that have happened um, in making Sheboygan a little more, maybe not progressive, but purple. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, bringing some of the more progressive ideas to the community at large. But there are larger institutions than me and other people besides me who have done so, so, so much more. And um, people should uh, pay a lot of attention to Paradigm Coffee Music, mm -hmm. and they should pay a lot of attention to the John Michael Cole Arts Center in terms of Sheboygan and all the good That's that they've done. That's what I was just going to say, John Michael Cole Arts Center. They've done so much mm -hmm. good for the community. Um, and I've gone a little bit afield from what your question was. Um, my third community is the Renaissance Fair, which is sort of a traveling community but you see the same people multiple times and even if you don't you are living and working together 24 mm -hmm. 7 for two months straight two and a half months if you count setup time um and so my experience with those three communities and seeing how art and philosophy have impacted them is that i do think it is getting better i mm -hmm. do think that despite what we're being told by people the actual practice boots on the ground is that it is getting better and i think that it's important to celebrate incremental development that the way things were when i started the renaissance fair community and it was 
then you know left Sheboygan they were different places mm-hmm. than they are now yeah. and they've improved and people's acceptance of other ideas and other thinking has improved not the other way around we are our minds are being corrupted by social media and by uh, news frankly yeah. that um, celebrates the vitriol of social media social media is news and that is flawed um, when people are actually interacting with each other they are trying to be better mm-hmm. at least in my experience yeah and through art and through philosophy they're having their perspectives challenged in very significant ways and that's exciting like and little by little people are realizing that gay people aren't out to get you <laughs> um, I, I'm, not, I'm not out, out to, to get, get you, you know? <laughs> like it's not that's not the case um, and that is philosophy like mm-hmm. people's philosophies are evolving can you describe your art your work to us I can I do this in 30 second increments literally every day of my life um, what so I, the rabbit hero is a narrative framework, essentially utilizing story blocks, comics, um, poetry, um, prose, um, just various format of narrative um, used by the viewer to create stories of their own. Essentially, um, primary element is the story block. Um, they depict folklores, mythology, history, world religion, nursery rhymes, um, as well as characters of my own. And the idea is that it is a modular comic book that you arrange and rearrange, add or subtract to, to create narratives that have inspiration from these aspects of the world, but are remixed and reimagined by Mm. each individual person to create stories of their own. What inspired you to create and expand Rabbit Hero that way versus something that our listeners might be more familiar with, like just doing a graphic novel? Um, This is kind of a twofold answer. There's like the, you know... Wooji, like brain twisty one, and then there's the sincere answer. The sincere answer is that I have so many ideas and so many interests for things that I would like to tell stories of. Yeah, that um, sitting down to do a graphic novel of every single one of them is just impossible for me to do. Um, both I work kind of slowly at times mm-hmm. um, and the nature of like picking one thing that is super interesting to put the time and effort into crafting is is hard and I am I've done it and I am doing it I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later but like it's hard to, to really narrow that down because there are um, it's just I could go on and on about all these things that are deeply fascinating that you would want to tell stories of that I just will never get to. Yeah. And that kind of, not to cut you off, but it reminds me of how like I'm doing this podcast, but 
the other day I took a break, walked around uh, my friend Teresa's house, and then wrote a poem on my phone as I was walking because I got inspired. And then I was like, oh, I want to... I want to go write some more poetry, but I was in the house working on the podcast. Yep. And then I'm like, Oh, there's this essay I want to write that's companion to this podcast. And so it's like multiple ideas at once. Yeah. Is that kind of how it is for you where you're like, Oh, I'm really into this folklore right now, but then all of a sudden you get inspired to write a poem. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly it. And so being able to create a narrative that, and that, that actually dovetails nicely into the, second aspect of the second aspect of that answer is that I this ties into Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the way I like to explain it Um, I had a friend describe the show to me before I had seen it and it was like near the end of the run before I saw it for the first time and they described the show to me and they were like, it's a comic book on television. It's got vampires. And like, one of them becomes a good guy and blah, blah, blah. And like going on and describing all of these things that I was going to experience in this show. And my brain was just on fire. Like, mm-hmm. holy moly, this sounds like an incredible, I can't wait to see this. And then I watched it. And while I am, I do really love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it is totally different than what I had built up in my mind and I was just like how do you tell how do you tell a story like that how do you get what people think the story is to count without telling them a story and sort of collapsing that potential into one outcome I love the fact that the the way in which a lot of folklore has come to pass has been through an oral tradition and the way in which people have been inspired by a story that they were told and the way in which they then told it themselves and the Mm -hmm. way they saw it differently. I mean, there are so many things I love to study for just that reason. The Bible is one of them that it like it, we are given a concept or like a, a particular group's viewpoint of what counts. But mm-hmm. there's so much more that doesn't count or counts regionally or is translated in a way that makes it not count or whatever. Um, that is so fascinating to me. And having the ability to sort of simultaneously give people that with folklore and history and mythology and my own stories mm-hmm. of like, I don't know how people are necessarily interpreting them, but that's, that's what is exciting. That's what lights those stories for people. Yeah. And that's pretty neat that you have all these different characters that, cause sometimes you, I'll just take Lord of the Rings, for example, where there's all these characters and you might go, Oh, I'm really into this one hobbit character but he or she never gets a storyline yeah you never learn the background of it where with rabbit hero you're kind of creating that storyline and who that character is going to interact with in your own head and you can write whatever story you want and your main character who you really like this creepy bugbear that (laughs) i drew and that's your character Mm mm-hmm and if he interacts with this weird-looking owl that you also like the way it's drawn, 
somebody else has taken that weird-looking owl and has, like, based their story around it. So your supporting character is somebody else's main character, which is life. Mm-hmm. That's life. Everybody's their own main character, and everybody else is a supporting player. Like, yeah, it it just checks a lot of boxes in that way. When you look back, what inspired Rabbit Hero, and specifically the kind of the first character I encountered with Rabbit Hero was Amy Miss, Mm -hmm. before I even encountered Rabbit Hero. What inspired Rabbit Hero, and specifically Amy Miss? Okay, so Rabbit Hero himself was inspired by the fact that my dad would grouse about rabbits in our backyard. And I made a character as like a little boy of a rabbit that was like helpful in a way that you know, instead of being a nuisance, he would show up in other books. He would show up in other comics. I would do Batman comics and I'd have a, yeah. like a rabbit. You know, uh-huh. it just was a thing I included. Didn't, But then as I got older, I got into anthropomorphic characters like Yusaku Jimbo and Bone. And I wanted, so I evolved him to be that or be a superhero version of that and then be like a more, you know, slice of lifey kind of character. Mm-hmm. Like, so he had these iterations that changed over time. And then that coming back around to that idea of like a character who moves through other you know him showing up in that Batman comic is like he shows up in other stories he's a deus ex machina essentially Mm -hmm. he is like the thing that saves everyone else Um, the character of Amy Miss is I I don't even know if I could answer that honestly Mm -hmm. like so I have a friend from Sheboygan that I knew in high school. Still, I'm friends with her now, but don't necessarily, you know, talk on a daily basis. But um, who was named Amy, mm-hmm. um, and I, she just had kind of a tough as nails, kind of take no nonsense kind of personality, and um, she just was very inspiring in terms of making a character, but. Um, the way in which I utilize her is I, the idea of a person who gets in their own way and mm-hmm. is sort of like, how to put this exactly, that she is a, there are, we get in our own way, I guess. I'm going to elaborate on that. We get in our own way in life sometimes. Sometimes life works against us and that's unfortunate, but in a lot of cases, it's like we want to do a thing. And the reason we don't do the thing is because we put other things in our path. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that making something a singular focus is going to make it come true, but it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. And not knowing what you want, or in a much more tragic kind of way, people who know what they want but have made a life of making reasons why they can't have it putting roadblocks in front of yourself because you're afraid you can't achieve the one thing that you really probably would bring you a lot of joy and happiness 
but letting society I, and there's other reasons too, sure. right? But I'm I would say like in my case, for instance, letting society put career title or money or health benefits or whatever yeah. as well if if I do this thing, I might not get those things or it might take me longer to get those things yep. as a side effect of it. And yeah. putting those in front of you as roadblocks is yeah. kind of what first comes to my mind. But Amy Miss has like a box around her head at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that it, everybody at some point in their life can identify with of being in that box of their own head, their own beliefs, their own sadness, their own grief, their own whatever it is. Definition of mm. the, the boxes, the, the, the way you've defined the world. And yeah. in some cases, it's a matter of you, you have a narrative in your head, good or bad. And this actually ties with my friend Amy because she is actually one of the first people to actually like talk about this with me back, you know, in her late teens, 20s. Just like you have a story in your head of how you've been wronged or how you've been damaged or how you've been benefited. And that story is truth. And it impacts you yes but being beholden to that story can do as much damage as good because it can help you define yourself as this is what it looks like to write a book this is what it looks like to have a podcast this is what it looks like to be an actor mm -hmm. anything a mother a whatever and a businessman but that isn't that's not real right what you you make that you define that by doing it a what it looks like to be a business person is it what can look it, like anything it can look yes. like anything if you want to become a business person and you do however imperfectly that's what being a business person looks like and by trying to live your script, you don't write your story. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. <laughs> Thanks. But, <laughs> but it's, I mean, and I mean, there's always exceptions to this. There are people who have a really rough go. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a straight white man. I have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I have a she lot says, yep. of benefits. You've been creating Rabbit Hero for decades, mm -hmm. and it's kind of becoming like Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. Like one, <laughs> yeah. this is it, one big collection. Is that intentional, or has that just evolved that way? It, it More the latter, but there is a degree of intention to that, for sure. Um, but basically, I've just rolled everything I've ever created into Rabbit Hero. Mm -hmm. And I have the beautiful thing with the way it works is that while other people are defining their their stories for themselves, I am doing the exact same thing. And so while I'm making it, I am drawing things that I am inspired by. I'm drawing things that I think the world that I think are like, this is rad. And, uh, not a whole lot of people seem to really 
like the popular consciousness doesn't really seem to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the people at the Renaissance Fair aren't necessarily into this particular thing. So this is an opportunity to in- introduce those things to people. What's an example of that? Um, a p- perfect example is one that I am going to be working on next because it's awesome. There is a, his name is Rabbi Israel. Um, you know, he's known as the Besht. Okay. <laughs> and he's, there's like a collection of stories called the Golden Mountain. There's a number of collections, but one I'm familiar with is the Golden Mountain. Um, and he is a rabbi that like, he just has all these adventures. Like these stories are him. Um, and I mean, he's a historic real figure. He's like, okay. as like, um, I won't necessarily, I'm still looking all of this up myself, so mm-hmm. I am not going to do the best job explaining it. So I would encourage people to look him up for themselves. But basically he, like the stories of him, he gets a, he defeats a werewolf. Okay. <laughs> um, he leads the children of the town in song and their song is so beautiful that it punctures a hole in the like dourness of the world that Satan has created. And so Satan like sends a werewolf after him and he defeats the werewolf by pull plucking out its black heart and sending it back to hell. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Like, so these okay, so this is like a, a, a real person yes. was a historical person who then basically fan fiction was written. Basically, so to speak. yeah. Like, so to speak, basically. Yeah. Like he had there are just these stories told about him doing all these different yeah. feats, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um of just like why he's this super cool rabbi. Mm-hmm. Why he's the best, you know? Like it's amazing. Um, and so it's fun to find these things and like find stories that mm. I, I myself am like, it takes out a werewolf. This is amazing. Like, yeah. this is fun. It's a fun story that is couched in a religious tradition mm-hmm. that. Like it has its own morality or its yeah, own. Exactly. Like, uh, Prophetic, whatever it's Moral supposed to be. Le- yes. that, yeah. that is important mm-hmm. to people of that faith. But also, objectively speaking, it's just a fun story to read. Mm-hmm. It's well-written yeah. and an enjoyable adventure, essentially. And ripe to be reimagined or recreated in a new story. Or at least evocative enough that when I read it, it like immediately imprints in my mind and I want to draw it. Like, yeah. And if I'm going to draw it, I get to tell people about, like, you should read these stories. They're awesome. Yeah. And that, that's the exciting part for it. And um, for me, at least is that there are characters definitely that are mine that I'm like, I'm into this character. Cause he's a giant talking dog. That's amazing. But there's the world is just, Full of, and you know, everybody keeps coming back to like Greek mythology because it's like the underpinning of the Western world. Like we're the only part of the world that matters. Mm -hmm. There are so many other aspects of faith traditions and literary traditions that are exciting in their Mm -hmm. own right that can be infused with each individual, like at least 
from my perspective, because I'm the one that's drawing it, like my my excitement, the things that inspire me and excite me and the yeah. comic book aspects and things like that to see these things through that lens. And I'm just one person, you know, it's like there are stories that have existed for centuries in some cases and other people, they're free for anyone to, mm-hmm. to do. So I, I love that you're bringing, you're bringing all of that history kind of to what you're doing and people like in the back of the rabbit hero, it references like the, where you can find out more mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. like this is from this story. And so mm-hmm. someone could go and now read what you read that inspired you. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of how inspired I get when I read Joy Harjo, the poet, who's yeah. Native American yeah, poet. Yeah, yeah, And she's writing from that perspective and that tradition, that culture, and slipping in the traditional stories yep. um, and what's almost been lost. And it's like, oh, this is brilliant. You know? Well, and like, again, like, I, I, I'm a straight white man. Like, mm-hmm. I... It, it's slippy territory for me to be touching on, to, to be utilizing some of these things. The the difference being is that at no point in time am I ever taking this, at least I'm trying not to take this from this tradition and lay ownership upon it. Exactly. I am, I am merely visualizing what I see in my head when I read these stories. And anyone else is free to do the same. And they should do the same. These are great stories that should be shared with the world. And your passion and your excitement meant about it and the way you bring it to people who don't know about it is from the perspective of check out this check culture. this out check out go this to them go, go to, to the source. these go to the source mm-hmm. and find these stories because they are they're some are some are they're all great <laughs> some some are bananas some are like incredibly heartfelt and but all of them are of value. And so being able to tell people, people just don't even know that they exist. And that's the travesty. And they're so valuable because they teach you that we're all connected Mm -hmm. and we all have the same fears and concerns and want to learn and laughter. And objectively a werewolf is awesome. And it doesn't matter what tradition you're from. Werewolves are cool. That's like yeah. Well, and to see like uh, the werewolf, how many different cultures yeah. it it covers it, yeah. from uh, Native American um, uh, skin walking trans, I, and I'm blanking on the name, but kind of the trans sure, former sure, yeah. out west. They had that character that was like half man, half wolf. Yep. And then now you're talking from a Jewish tradition, there, Israeli and tradition. Um, and I mean, again, to Eastern European, Eastern European to mm-hmm. uh, Africa, you know, that they're where tigers, mm-hmm. where jackals, where, you know, whatever animal fits the fits the bill, so yeah. to speak, whatever, you know, the area that you're from, it's a werewolf, because wolves were the predator of that particular region of the world. Mm-hmm. But there's but to see that wherever we are, we create the same stories exactly. with the regional, with, with the regional twist. Yep. It's not the humanity that leaves it. Yeah. It's the, the region. Like, yeah. What so you just said. so you can affix it to your personal experience, because that's what these stories have always fundamentally been about is the personal experience mm-hmm. and making them a part of your life. Yeah. Um, 
And that in its small way is by not being something, I mean, yeah, there's a book, but not by and large rabbit hero isn't something that like, yes, you put it on a shelf, but it's not like a book where you put it on a shelf and you know what's inside that book because you've read it. But like, it isn't immediately accessible. Mm -hmm. You have to, unless you've read it, you have to recall it. You have to open the book. You have to sit with it and take time with it. And that is exceedingly valuable and should be done. But the thing that rabbit hero does is it makes it, it puts it front and center. Like you put it somewhere in your house that you see on the daily. Mm -hmm. And so you're making this story a part of your day-to-day life because you are engaging with it anytime you see it, which is the same for a book for sure. But And that's so important to imagination, Mm -hmm. which is a lost skill or a maybe even frowned upon skill as we become adults is imagination is good if we're using it to create money, but imagination isn't good if we're using it at home to just enjoy ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, that's no, that is definitely an aspect. I mean, I am, I, it is my job, so I do earn money doing it, but at the same time, it to be essentially like selling someone their own imagination seems a little weird, but people are embarrassed to just utilize it on their own. I think you're selling them a tool to access their imagination. I mean, that is kind of the way I think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, is that that's what they are. Um, Like being a bookseller. I mean, if you are an independent bookstore owner, you're selling things that are, Because to learn, we have to have the imagination to think we can learn something new. Exactly. We have to have, you have to imagine a place that you're reading about in a book, fictional or real, Mm -hmm. because it's painting a picture for you. So you're creating that image using your imagination to experience a place you've never been. Exactly. Or may never be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a poem that guides Amy Miss in the first Rabbit Hero book. Can you read that poem for us? I can. Yes, I can. Uh, the Cado. I'm going to preface this really quickly with just a little bit of explanation for your listeners of to what it is. So, Cado, the Cado was referenced in a book of haikus I got at an airport and was deeply interesting. And there has been literally nothing I can find internet wise um, as to more information about it other than. The poet Basho ascribed to this practice, which he referred to as Kado. Um, it translates to the way of poetry or the way of the flower. There's also like an element of like creating floral patterning that is Kado. I've seen that in its Jap- yeah, Japanese origin. origin. Mm-hmm. Um, but so... But this way of poetry, the Kado being the way of poetry, is really enticing to me. And I became utterly consumed with this idea of what the Kado, what what does Basho mean by this? Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way that I've been able to sort of understand it is that it's a almost like a, it's a, not almost, it is a Zen practice as that universe is writing poetry for you at Mm. any given time you are experiencing it and seeing it so this 
this practice um, is essentially living life as though the experiences you have moment by moment, the way you experience the world, the, the smell of the room, the, the way the light casts on the wall is all unique and will never be experienced again. And so like seeing it and being present with it is, I mean, what poetry frequently is attempting to capture is to take that and distill it down into language to make art out of language describing those things. Mm -hmm. And Basho just, it seems to me, takes it one step more abstract and is that you get the opportunity to just read the poem because the poem is played out in front of you. And so like experiencing it in that way is, is a way to live your life. But I don't know, I was a little more enticed by it. And so there were aspects of being part of the world that apply to this concept. And it struck me as a way of sort of creating a like a mantra to follow mm. a, a poet. If you're living your life like a poem, write a poem to guide you through life. Um, and so this poem is just called the Kado. Um, and it goes like this, look up more, open every door, manifest in small places, keep pace and imagine, live honest, injure none, Give everyone else her due. Seek no self. Your life is now. Travel light. Boldness. And I feel that one step begets the next. And by f adhering to it, by following it, by keeping those aspects in mind, you live a poetic life. Mm. your life is a poem beautiful <laughs> thank I, you <laughs> i think that's why even years ago you and i connected and i think it's why you and i can come together after years of going our separate ways or living our own paths and just start talking like mm -hmm. it was yesterday which is yeah. super rare yeah but i would like to think and i say this in a very humbly humble way i I would like to think it's because we are both trying to live our life in that poetic way. And so there's no grudges to hold. There's no, yeah. we have to dig back into the past. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that would benefit us both if we sometime did it. Yeah. But I think because we're both approaching life from that idea, mm -hmm. it, it changes a relationship with somebody. Yeah, I would agree. Was that your intent when you added that to Rabbit Hero was to have it be something that jumps off the page and that people read and almost go, oh, I'm applying this to my life. I mean, you always kind of hope for that, you know? <laughs> uh -huh. um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, if I didn't have that aspect of hope for it, I wouldn't have included it. But it to me, it just is... Each one of those tenets have multiple ways of understanding them. Mm. And to sort of crack each one open and dig into it a little bit, not 
just take it as a platitude. Look up more. I mean, they're simple phrases. I mean, that, but that part of that has to do with the sort of Zen concept behind it, that they should be simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it is simple. <laughs> it's that, so simple, it's hard. Yeah, that look up more is something that comes up in my life a lot, pre and post Rabbit Hero and mm-hmm. reading this. But it's something my dad says, too. And he says it as a literal, like, I look up more and watch the stars more. Exactly. And so I've seen a lot more things that are unexplainable than everybody else. And that is actually, but I mean, just as an example, that you have look up more, like, be positive. It's not always easy to be positive, but positivity is beneficial. You can, if you have a positive outlook, you have, you have a tool in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. You got something to help propel you forward in a way. It gives you a bit of a leg up. There's that aspect of it for sure, but it's not always possible to do it that way. Sometimes life is really rough and having a positive outlook that becomes a Pollyanna situation. But there's also the component of the way your dad means it. Look at the look around you. There are things happening. There are experiences to be witnessed by, and I'm not even talking about like, put down your phone. Like it's just looking at what's before you and especially looking what's above you, casting your eye up and trying to reach for a loftier understanding of something. So and perspective. Perspective. Um, so, I mean, that right there, it has a threefold interpretation. And all three of those are relevant. Mm-hmm. By that, those three words, you have a multiplicity of ways in which to encounter your, your surroundings and your experiences and your situation that can change your outlook. And then open every door. Try things. Experience newness. Go outside. Even as someone who would happily sit at home 24-7, being a part of the world teaches you about the world. Mm. It gives you more things to be excited by and understand and shows you a new aspect of existence that becomes your passion that you didn't know was there before. And it's only by opening a door when it's presented to you that you can discover new things Mm. and on and on and on. Every one of those to me, every one of the tenants, as I refer to them is a multifold way of engagement And some are more complicated than others. Seek no self means, yes, it's good to be maybe not selfless because you can get taken advantage of, but like considerate of other people's needs and desires for sure. But there's also the concept of we are always looking for who, who Tony is, who Rebecca is. And to my understanding, that's sort of a, that's not really a beneficial way of looking at it. We think of ourselves as being a vessel that has thoughts and experiences, but in actuality, to my mind and to certain Buddhist thinking, the, it, the thoughts you have are who you are. 
you are your thoughts and experiences. You're not a thing that has them. And so changing a thought is it's the, the same as changing your identity. And so seeking no self is stop looking for who you are at that fundamental core because you are a multiplicity that is playing out over time. And oh, that's that's so great because if you're always trying to figure out who you are, mm-hmm. when do you know that you've found who you are? Yeah. And if you do, what if you don't like what you found? Or, or what if you think that doesn't meet someone else's expectations of who you're supposed to be? But if you can change your thought and you can be somebody else, yeah, that's that's opening every door to you. Oh, but yeah. The other thing I had with seek no self, I feel like is extremely relevant today mm-hmm. because you referenced social media early on, but social media is about self, 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 putting mm-hmm. ourselves out there and getting reactions about ourselves. Yeah. And so just the just the line seek no self the first thing that conjured in my mind today, every time I read it, is something different, probably depending on what thoughts I'm having. Mm-hmm. But today, when I heard you say, seek no self, that's immediately what I thought of, is how everything that's on TV, everything that's on social media, everything that's in the news is self, self. The individual, mm-hmm. the, you know, the individual is what matters. And it, they're, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, bringing up the concepts of community, it, it is... We have to be community minded, mm-hmm. even if we don't want to be. Yeah. We have to be. How do you fill up your creativity when it runs dry? Because we're talking about the multitude of characters you create. And, <laughs> and even though it seems like that well might just keep, you might be able to just keep bringing buckets of water up, but for everybody, it's got to run dry. Oh, and, and it definitely does. How do you refill that? I even knew this question was coming and I, it, it's a hard one to answer um, because anything you say sounds like and this, I think every artist goes through this. It's like anything you say to describe where you get your ideas from or what have you is like a platitude. It sounds like a platitude because the answer is really just, it's like, um, I think honestly, I think the way I do it is I move between things. I, I'm never, I'm never out of ideas or inspiration. I just don't necessarily have a way to crack it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so there are things I've had ideas for, for decades that I just, they're there and I, some days I can't really get at them and other days they're just front and center in my mind. And as, and I talk about this on my, the behind the scenes aspect of my Patreon a lot is that like, I, there are days I just can't draw. Like I can't, it, it's not a matter of like, Oh, I don't feel like doing that today or, Oh, I'm tired or my hand is sore. It's like all the factors could have lined up to be utterly perfect and I completely lack the ability yeah. <laughs> to translate something into visual form. And yeah. it just means that I've burned it out. And so I put it aside for a little bit. Not too long because it's my job, but part of it is 
the reason I'm able to make it my job is that I will, I have found a way to make myself do it even when I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like I've sucked the joy out of it, but there's a legitimate aspect to that is that you have to be able to, you have to be able to show up mm -hmm. and some days the world is working against you. I have a newborn daughter. She's not working against me, but like, I want to be present for her experiences. I need to take care of her. Both of those things are true simultaneously. And it doesn't, her being here doesn't stop rabbit hero. Like I right. want to do it and I have to do it. Um, being able to work that in is, it's just requisite. You can't do it without that. Mm. And I've just taken the time to force myself to learn that skill, I guess. Because you have created a, a career that has garnered you money to live mm -hmm. out of your art. Yes. Which I, I, I kind of want to pivot a little bit to out of the creativity to some of the more concrete things that I think young artists are probably mm -hmm. afraid of, of making a living at their art. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about and, and for you? I, I don't think I have a direct question because it might have happened at a different time, but kind of what was your process into that of going, I'm going to do this full time and, and I got to make a living. Um, that actually was very loosey goosey. It was more like, building on one event from one event to the next taking one creative impulse exploring it and then not putting it aside but keeping that as part of i've talked about the toolbox a lot but like putting that and keeping it in the toolbox and then exploring something else and keeping it in the toolbox exploring something else and none of them really took until i started doing renaissance fairs and started doing the like the blocks aspect of it is really what made it click in a way that made it possible. So there is a certain element of luck, I guess it would be lying to say that there wasn't, you know, I'm very fortunate that people like my art, like, you know, they're picking up what I'm putting down and that is good because I, you're not always guaranteed that what, what I, tell people when I'm at the Renaissance fair and parents will bring their kids or kids come of their own volition and have questions. Um, and I get asked on occasion, like what, what does a kid need to know in order to be able to do that for a living? And the two things I come to are people don't know what they want until you give it to them. Mm. And you are the only person who sees things the way you do. You are the only person who will ever see things the way you do. You gotta keep it weird. <laughs> like your particular viewpoint, however strange it might be, is only possible because of you being you. And that is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. That. Because trying to fit it into a particular box is always going to hobble you in mm -hmm. some way. And yes, you will find publishers and you will find 
people who will tell you you need to change this or change that in order to make your movie you need to change this because this is what the focus group has decided is going to sell that is nonsense that's how to get a big budget i'm sure absolutely but if you want to make plays make plays don't wait for somebody to give you permission to make plays make plays write your play get your actors put them on if you want to make comics sit down and draw draw comics if you want to write sit down and write and if it's weird and it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen before that's all the better that is what will make it happen and you gotta be persistent you can't give up on it because it's easy to give up Mm -hmm. because your idea is weird (laughs) most people are not going to be on board for your idea they're going to tell you you shouldn't use talking animals because people will like this better if there's actual human beings involved that's nonsense (laughs) there are people who definitely like it the rabbit hero has people in it but there are definitely people who like that it has talking animals in it as well you've been traveling around the country with these renaissance fairs what is the greatest lesson you've learned from spending time in different regions of our country we are simultaneously all the same and wildly 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 different And so making a generalized statement about what America is like is nonsense because Arizona is totally different than North Carolina. And at the same time, people laugh at the same jokes. People are excited by the same kinds of magic. People are thrilled at whimsy in the same ways, but what they find whimsical is very different and it's important to meet them where they're at. Mm. I love that you said they laugh at the same things. (laughs) They do. (laughs) They really do. My wife is a incredibly hilarious performer and seeing people laugh at the jokes she tells are, I mean, it's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, And it's pretty great to see. Since Juniper is gracing us with a (laughs) cameo, which I absolutely love because these little ones are a big part of our community and what our communities are going to look like 20, 30 years from now. Um, How has having a newborn changed your creativity? I'm going to speak to the hampering first, um, not to be negative, but um, it's the one that's most present. Um, Before, there was a certain openness to the way my creativity worked in that I could just kind of dash off and, oh, I have an idea. I can go work on it. You know, Jen and I aren't doing something at this particular moment. I'm, she's at work or what have you. I'm free to just run upstairs and paint to my heart's content or write and whatever. Um, And now it is very focused there are specific times it's like okay jen is home jen can take care of her for two hours get into my studio and work for those two hours like i would 
work for a little bit and I would look something up on my phone and I would, you know, change. Oh, I also kind of want to work on this script. So I'm going to put that painting aside and go over here. And now it's very much like these are the things you need to get done and you have two hours to do it, do it. And I, two hours is enough time by and large um, to get the things I need to get done daily done. Um, but there is a sort of loss of that just freewheeling creativity. Lightning bolt creativity. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a bad thing. It's just a reality of you know what it is to have. You know, she, when she's asleep, I either have to sleep or I have to get to work. Mm-hmm. As far as inspiring my creativity, that is something at present is not a really day-to-day experience um right now she is so small that a lot of the focus is on making sure i keep her alive (laughs) Uh, making sure she's happy and loved um having her roll over and making sure she's fed and all of those things that haven't given me anything to really be inspired by just Mm -hmm. yet but i can already tell that it's coming because having her perspective of the world whatever it will be is in and of itself Mm -hmm. going to be inspiring seeing the world through those eyes again too exactly exactly Mm -hmm. um which is very which is exciting Mm -hmm. um and it's enjoyable to have her and have to be learning all of these aspects of what it means to keep a little human alive now because they become more ingrained and give you more of an opportunity for the mm-hmm. for the good stuff. Yeah. What are you currently working on? And will we get another rabbit hero? Book? <laughs> no, yeah. no pressure. Oh, for sure. Uh, You're like when Juniper is 20. Oh, sure. no, I'm... <laughs> I'm laughing because the laundry list of the things I'm working on is significantly huge. Um, so yes, there are a minimum of two more rabbit hero books, a minimum. Um, the narrative of the first one continues through the entire Kado, um, all the way up to the end. And it, so the three books are four chapters a piece and they each talk about one of the, or each chapter talks about one of the kata. So I will finish that for sure. Main focus right now is the second one. It is in, I mean, it's in process. Um, I am desperately trying not to make a George R. R. Martin situation occur. Um, but I put a time into it every day or every other day. And I'm feeling pretty good about February or March, but maybe not. Okay. Um, but it is, happening during the pandemic made a superhero comic just for my own enjoyment um on my patreon i did a choose your own adventure um basically patrons vote every two pages as to what happens a character is talking off panel and they give our given options as to who that character is and they would vote to decide and then i would make the oh, next neat. little bit yeah. and so um that the first issue of that is drawn and 
everything. I'm just doing a little bit of like the cover and the back matter and things like that. Um, and then I'll have a second issue of that as well through the yeah. Patreon. I am doing a tarot card deck and game <laughs> with my friend Dan Berkey. Um, he is developing a tabletop game off of a tarot card deck. So we'll have rabbit hero tarot cards that are also um, a board game or a tabletop game, I should say. But the focus right now really is the second rabbit hero book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying as hard as I can to fit as much of that in as I can day by day. To kind of wrap up our conversation today, uh, this is a question that I've been asking most of our guests but if you could sit down with anyone living or dead and have a one-on-one conversation like we've had today, who would you like to sit down with? I mean, okay. There's, there's any number of people. I mean, I'm so deeply interested in so many things that the idea to just have full access to Jesus, (laughs) you know, (laughs) is like the historical Jesus yeah um is fascinating um but i just because i feel like i might actually in like get along with him as a person i would love to have a one-on-one conversation with kurt vonnegut oh i just his free wheelie kind of progressivism is i could see that very enjoyable to Mm -hmm. me and i you know i just never had the opportunity to see him in person even or anything like that i've only known him through his books but his books were so formative um so that's more my like personal i'm sure that the second this is uh you stop recording there'll be a million more and just for just because i brought him up in i the person of jesus I would really, just because I would like to get the like, okay, so this is what actually was going on. This is what my actual experience was. Um, you are the second person back to back. Really? To give that exact answer. I mean, everything is through a bunch of other people's lenses. A lot of them are dumpy old men. And I would really just love to get a sense of like where all of these, what all these narratives were being built off of. Yeah. Like not to undermine it or not, you know, not in any kind of way, just really out of the sense that he clearly was an interesting enough person that multiple people wanted to write about him even before being a believer in him became like one of the most fundamental faiths in the world he was clearly deeply interesting to people Mm -hmm. and so i am deeply interested in that person i want to meet the person that would make me want to write a book about him very well said thank you thank you so much for taking time out of your day um, and for bringing juniper along to the podcast as well (laughs) i love that 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 might end up being people's favorite part is just knowing that there's a little nugget on the other end of this. Oh yeah, there is indeed. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you to Tony and to Juniper for joining us today on Conversation Mill and bringing a conversation that really expands what we think about art and philosophy in our communities. If you want to learn more about The Rabbit Hero, the links uh, to Tony's sites will be in the show notes, but you can also follow him on Instagram 
at The Rabbit Hero. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support.